If you have an interest in horses and love learning more about horses, the horse industry, teaching, or even managing your own horse business, then you're in the right place. We would love you to join us on our mission, which is to improve the lives of horses around the world through the education of riders, handlers, and trainers. So get comfortable, listen in, and enjoy. Today's chat's been brought to you by International Horse College. International Horse College's motto is People Safety and Horse Welfare, and you'll find this message throughout our chats. Registered Training Organisation number 31352. Our guest today is Ian Bidstrup. Ian's known to quite a few people within the area of equine. He's a veterinarian who specialises in spinal health, and we'll expand on what he actually does a little bit more. How are you today, Ian? I'm very well, thanks, Clinice. Yourself? I'm well. I'm well. Yeah, very good. Ian, if I introduce you as a veterinarian who specialises in spinal health, you do so much more than that. But I know that if I started to explain exactly what you do, I probably wouldn't do it justice. So would you like to just expand a bit more on what your area is? Because you've, you know, you've done quite a lot of studies since you became a vet as well. Can you expand a bit on what you do? Uh, yes. I'm not a uh, specialist. Such to be specialist is um, something that can be hurdles that are not really available in Australia. Uh, I, I, my full-time practice for like 20 years is treating spinal problems in horses, particularly, but also dogs. Um, so my approach to that involves veterinary chiropractic, veterinary acupuncture, and uh, medical therapy. Well, regenerative injection therapy that, that helps train tissues, uh, particularly around the spine and shoulders and the hips. Uh, the other side of it is, is making sure that the saddle is suitable and fitting well to the horse. Okay. Which is often uh, a real problem uh, in spinal health. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right. We'll talk a little bit more about, say, you know, some of those areas. But first of all, before we even start, Ian, do you have a favourite quote or something that you say to your clients often, something you'd like to talk about? Uh, a favourite quote is, is one that is, is one of my favourites, and that's, that's from a, a medical physician and educator by the name of John McLeod, mm-hmm. uh, a Scottish doctor and professor. He said there's a tendency to examine according to habit see only what we look for and believe in, to recognise only what we know. I think this, through medical science and through veterinary science, this stands out as a huge issue. The more we know about something, um, the more knowledge we have, uh, and the more we look for it and examine for it, then we, uh, we, it becomes uh, where our knowledge of that problem grows and grows. Whereas if we don't know much about it and tend to ignore it, uh, then we might say it's really not a problem without knowing that's the case. Okay. okay. And the, and the other quote that I really like is that we usually hear what we want to hear and believe what it suits us to believe. I think that goes through our whole population and every age group as well. And uh, so I think that we resounds so often. Mm-hmm. Just thinking about these two quotes, 
Is hearing what we want to hear and believing what we want to hear, is that a habit? Is that going back to, you know, like you're talking about examining according to habit, is hearing what we want to and believing what we want to developed into a habit? I think it puts us into a comfort zone, but also, um, you know, when um, someone might have cancer and doesn't want to hear that they've got cancer or or someone might be getting old and doesn't want to hear their arthritis and likewise that their horse is getting certain problems. It just doesn't suit them to believe that because it might, that they're getting back pain from the saddle, it might suit them to believe that because that means that the beautiful saddle that they love may not be appropriate for their horse Mm -hmm. and they don't want to believe that. So that's that's how it can come through with horses in just one instance. Yes, yes. Just thinking about you as a young vet, finished university, you're qualified as a vet, what brought you to decide to do further study in the area of spinal? Was it something that you'd always planned to do or something that happened once you were already qualified as a vet? Was there any particular instances or just something ongoing? What brought that on? Uh, it wasn't something I really thought I'd be heading towards, but it, uh, I did have an influence early in my student days of a veterinarian who did a lot of spinal work up at Oakey in Queensland. Yep. yep. Uh, and uh, that was just one of the windows of um, information that, that opened me to it. But also, as a regular veterinarian treating horses uh, on a daily basis, I found that there were problems in horses that we weren't addressing, particularly of the upper body and back, uh, and weren't you know, all we had really to offer was rest and phenylbutazone, and I thought that's pretty poor. Uh, and I had you no know, people saying that massage did help their horse or whatever, and I, I was open to thinking, well, that's, you know, some people think, oh, that's, that's a lot of rubbish. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was open to thinking there may be some truth in that. Uh, and then I followed on from there, mm-hmm. uh, and, and I just found myself on a path of that, that led me to know more and find out more, and gradually I just got deeper and deeper into this side of veterinary care. So, yeah, because I'm going to say, because you've sort of gone, and as you say, deeper and deeper, the whole study habit, is it that you've, you know, you've finished one thing, you've got the qualifications there, you've got the knowledge, and then you find another area that goes a bit deeper? Is it continual or do you have breaks in between for a couple of years? What happens? Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I daily study, uh, you can say just about. Yep. Um, as well as what you learn from treating horses, which gives you some information and, and uh, experimenting with uh, extrapolating on, on one thing in one area to how it affects other areas, as well as that, you've got to have the background knowledge to really do the job properly. You've got to build on that and grow that. And it's, it's, I thought this was a narrow field when I first got into it, and I would be able to be on top of it quite easily, and it would have given me plenty of time that I might be able to ride my own horse. <laughs> yes. Um, but but it's no, it's, it's just mind-boggling the amount of information out there, and and 
the necessity of having a lot of um, back, uh, background training yourself to be able to interpret that information in such a way that is most beneficial. Mm-hmm. Uh, because there's lots of interpretation of the same information I find, and I'm not in agreement with, with uh, some of the interpretations out there uh, when it comes to how the spine is functioning or why it's not functioning. Um, without the background knowledge, it's hard to do that. And these, you know, interpretations that you don't agree with, are they from laymen, from horse practitioners, you know, people that are just working with horses but not qualified as vets? Or is it uh, science-based that you're not quite sure that that's been researched correctly? And some of it's from vet- veterinarians and some of it's from lay people. Um, certainly in the, the laying realm, there's lots of myths and misunderstanding, huge amount. Yep. Um, and a lot of, a lot of basically bunkum that's spoken, but even in some of the veterinary realms, the, the people are well qualified to make a comment. I, I don't always have the same uh, interpretation on the, the information, the, the research information as they would. Uh, a lot of it I'll have the same, but I'll use the information differently with a different background. It's a, it's a matter of just different perspectives on the same problem. Uh, and this is, you know, it's important to have different perspectives and we each learn from having a different perspective. So that's so important. But sometimes I think some people head down too heavily down one path and don't look sideways at all at the other perspectives and, and don't think for a moment that they may perhaps be wrong uh, and just continue down the path. And now I'm always wary of that and trying to um, be scrutinising my thoughts and my knowledge all the time uh, and listening to what's happening elsewhere. Yeah. Is this where where people are examining according to habit and according to what they know? They're looking for something in particular? Um, um, examining according to their training and, and okay. their knowledge, yep. uh, not necessarily their habit mm-hmm. um, is, is so much the case. What about, you know, the misinterpretations, misunderstandings? What's a common one that the lay person might believe that, you know, that you'd like to get the message out and say, look, this is incorrect. We've done study, we've done research, and we've found this. One of the outstanding ones is that that still in the community, saddle treating is not valued very heavily Mm -hmm. um, by, you know, even elite riders. And I had a client today that was saying that, you know, their horse had been to a trainer a high-level trainer, and she said, you know, this is a saddle that's been highly recommended and very well fitted to this horse. Can you use that saddle and you can you use that uh, on this horse? It's, it's a nice thing and it works really nicely in it. Uh, and the, the trainer said, yes, we can do that. And when she came back six weeks later to pick up a horse, the horse was a mess mm. and had been ridden in the trainer's saddle. Uh, and... Now, she'd paid quite a deal of money and things had just gone backwards. And largely probably because of the saddle that was used by the trainer just because it suited the trainer to use that saddle and they were used to it perhaps uh, and not really valuing the importance of very individual uh, 
battle kit for a horse. Yes. So that's, that's a really common and major one. If you're an equestrian coach or a horse riding instructor, or even if you aspire to be one, have a look at the free video series for horse riding instructors on the Horse Chats website. Go there now. Have a look. Horsechats.com. Tell me if I'm wrong, but kissing spine, is that related to saddle fitting? Kissing spine, uh, yes, is related to postural problems, which can be made worse by saddle fitting. Uh, definitely, it's a whole mixture of causes um, that go together to lead to kissing spines. But if, if they've got if they've got pain associated with kissing spines, that's going to make it very hard for them to comfortably carry a saddle and rider. Okay, okay. Just thinking about the general treatment that you do when people contact you. What's a common thing that they call you up or, you know, you find out the horse is doing what and what's caused it? Uh, there's a big mixture of things that people call me for. Sometimes it's just you know, pain when they're rushing their horse. Yep. Uh, often it's because their horse is uneven in their stride or has trouble taking one canter or is not moving forward uh, or is short in one hind leg. They're all very common issues mm-hmm. horses. And, and often, together with that, their behaviour has either deteriorated or the, the rider doesn't realise that the horse's behaviour has been quite badly affected and, and they you know, can be quite amazed after horses have one or two treatments, the difference in the horse's behaviour mm-hmm. uh, as a result of the treatment. And then with, within the treatment, what's the most common? Like you're saying, a couple of different um, things that people might call you about. Is it one common problem that they, the horses have? Or, yeah, just tell us a little bit more. It's just that, um, you know, the podcast, we need to educate people, you know, and if we can give people a little bit of education and say, look, if your horse has got this problem, you need to contact someone. You need to sort it out and see someone about it because the horse is trying to tell you something. So how can we give people a little bit more information? You've given a couple of symptoms there. What's the possibility? What could this be? You know, obviously, if there's something wrong with the horse, they should contact someone. But, yeah, just a little bit more information about that would be great. Um, it's many and varied, but there are common patterns that are associated particularly with birth trauma mm-hmm. uh, that leads back to the same patterns we see in foals and weanlings and yearlings uh, and unridden horses like harness horses. The same patterns occur in those as ridden horses. Uh, so, uh, in, uh, from my research, of clinical research and backed up by a whole lot of um, research papers on the trauma to foals and, and the way horses are asymmetrical, uh, this, is, this is something that is a big underlying factor and that the problems associated with the trauma lead to horse often with pain that's associated, that makes them very susceptible to saddles that are not comfortable and girths that are not comfortable for them, uh, and then that exacerbates all their problems. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So basically, if there's a problem, they should really see, and should they see a vet? Should they see 
someone who does specialise, you know, what's the recommendation that they should see or should contact or should they contact you and you would tell them someone in their area? Or how can we get it better so that um, these problems are recognised but not just recognised but something done about them? Um, Sadly, most veterinarians are not so well trained in this aspects of spinal dysfunction. That's why there are postgraduate courses to do that. Okay. Uh, the, the current um, probably, probably ranks as the best course in the world is the Animal Biomechanical Medicine course, which is a graduate diploma course. Mm-hmm. They can go on to a master's degree, like I from uh, that one, mind you, from um, the university, but now and they will continue with that. But the, the graduate diploma currently through uh, the VET sector. But animal biomechanical medicine practitioners are highly trained at recognising spinal issues and dysfunction and also with ways to address it, uh, mainly through manual means. And then some of those practitioners go on to do acupuncture and or have done every acupuncture before, uh, and then others go on to do as well uh, regenerative injection therapy or prolotherapy, as I do the combination of all three. Mm-hmm. Where do they find those practitioners? Uh, the uh, Animal Biomechanical Professional Australia website is where those, those people trained that want to be listed that aren't too already overwhelmed by clients yes. uh, are listed on that, that site. Great, great. And we can have a link to that site as well as um, a link to your site at the bottom of your page, which will be horsechats.com slash Ian Bidstrip. Ian, tell us a little bit about acupuncture. It, it's quite an old medicine, isn't it? It's not something that is new. It's an old medicine. Acupuncture goes back some I should say an old, old treatment. Yes, not, yep. Yeah. And, it, and it is a medicine in itself mm-hmm. that's through stimulating the nervous system via needles. And yep. when a needle goes into a tissue, causes reaction uh, and inflammation at the end of the needle, which then connects the acupuncture point basically with the brain and the local spinal segments and the local muscle innovation areas. So it, it has widespread influences and um, it, yes, it's certainly an, an ancient art, as they call it, uh, but it also is backed up by a lot of science these days as well. Uh, to the, uh, the likes of functional MRIs and things that look at the actual influence of a point on different parts of the brain and the influence that that point has in disease states and in normal states. It's okay. quite different. Okay. Just thinking about a, a case study, have you got a case study? I, I'm going to be greedy and have two. One to do more along the lines of your work, and I know you, it's all related, but to do with your spinal health or your chiropractic work, is there? have you got a case study to do with that? And I'd also like to be greedy and ask you about a case study to do with chiropractic as well. Sorry, not to do with acupuncture as well. Okay. On horses, I tend to always do a combination of chiropractic, acupuncture, and prolotherapy. Okay. You said that before. Yep. Um, the only 
uh, cases I just do chiropractic, generally chiropractic on are foals. Okay. Uh, and because they're young, their body hasn't established too much in the way of um, nasty patterns mm-hmm. through of, of movement through the body and, and tissue changes that go along with it and bone changes that go along with it. So chiropractic alone is, is quite often all that's really required uh, in foals. Um, so as far as case studies, every, every case I do could be a case study, so I'm not sure. <laughs> all, all we need is one. I just think that people can, you know, you can give general information, but I think if you have a case study, you know, maybe even a fold that, that wasn't going to progress well and, um, you know, maybe it, it's progressed well and gone on and, and uh, done something, yeah. Right, um, the horse this week that came back two weeks after its initial treatment, um, for instance, uh, as a clear case, it, was, it had um, trouble going forward, trouble taking the right lead, mm-hmm. uh, stepping short on the near hind, um, and after just one treatment, that horse was moving forward well. Uh, okay. Not only that, it was um, more relaxed in the paddock. It was coming up to the owner uh, in an awe. It was actually coming up to the owner instead of running away when, mm-hmm. when they came up to to uh, catch it. Yep. Uh, so it is, that, that was a, not an unusual case as far as okay. how they proceed. Mm. So if your horse has got unusual behaviour, if it's, you know, maybe maybe just stepping that little bit short but also within its work or within its riding, pick, not picking up leads, then that's the sort of things. And they can be subtle differences too, can't they? Not really big ones, can, but uh, just subtle. They can be quite subtle or mm. they can be, be quite obvious ones. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And there's, there's various, there's a whole spectrum of, of degree of trouble. Mm-hmm. Uh, sometimes it's very subtle. They may show no sign of pain. And, and the only thing is when we... we check the spinal mobility, uh, that there are functional problems with the spine and it's different mobility through certain areas. And that may be the only symptom of the problem or the only corresponding issue with the problem. Uh, and horses like that often go really well. But okay. It certainly is very hard for uh, a rider or an instructor or anyone to pick other than the fact they might pick the horse has got a problem. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What about um, with horse care? Is there anything that you'd like to see? Is there, any, you know, just a message to get out there? Is there any type of care that you think if people just change this, then the horse would benefit? You've talked about saddle fitting, but is there anything else that you'd really like to say? Just have a look at this or just change this habit or just change the way that you care for the horse in this way? Certainly. And saddle fitting and saddle suitability mm-hmm. is just as important as the fit and is often disregarded. Um, it is super important. Uh, preparing the horse for work is something that's often not done. And unless the horse is misbehaving badly to the point where it's bucking and carrying on, people often will forget about lunging the horse and warming it up well for their for its exercise. Okay. So, so having, it's really, I mean, it's 
one doesn't go so well without another because horses that are sore will not lunge very well often. Mm-hmm. One of the symptoms of back soreness um, that a horse will go well on one rein on the lunge and, and go silly on another rein. Uh, but lunging over poles as on my website is, is a really important exercise, a really important preparation, and that's one of the most important things people can do mm-hmm. uh, for a horse. All right. If you're an equestrian coach or a horse riding instructor, or even if you aspire to be one, have a look at the free video series for horse riding instructors on the Horse Chats website. Go there now. Have a look. Horsechats.com. Ian, just thinking about going forward, and I know how thirsty you are for knowledge, you know, and to benefit the horse owners, of course, you know, because the more knowledge you have, the more you explore all these different areas, the more that horses are going to benefit, horse owners are going to benefit. Have you got anything in the next 12 months or two years that you're planning on studying or exploring a bit more besides your, you know, because I'm sure that every time you go out to see a horse, you'll learn more. But is there anything else in particular, any particular area you're going down? Uh, the animal biochemical medicine group have uh, have conferences every year as we do the veterinary acupuncture group. Yes. Uh, so that, that's ongoing and there are side issues with that. Um, veterinary professional development courses are starting to happen in this country, in, uh, which is Bet PD, which is in addition to the well, hundreds of courses that we have got available to us as regular veterinarians, as they and so that happening. But next next spring, this September, I'm, uh, I've been invited to talk at a veterinary conference in Germany. Okay, uh, good. And likely to be speaking in a veterinary conference in Poland as well. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, the one in Poland on acupuncture and one one in Germany on back issues. The one in Germany, um, uh, Professor Sue Dyson, Dr. Sue Dyson who, from the Animal Health Trust is yes. one of the main speakers as well. Mm-hmm. And uh, it will be a wonderful opportunity to discuss things with her as well as, well as Dr. Uh, Ricky Schultz, who's um uh, getting famous for her work on fascia in horses. Mm-hmm. Um, so they, they will be there as well as some very enlightened practitioners. So and the same with the Veterinary Acupuncture Congress in Poland. Yep. So, so that's, that's ahead next year amongst other things. <laughs> okay, okay. All right, now, Ian, um, if you're going to just summarise your... Um, you know, what we've talked about, just the main sentence or two to do with horse care, you know, a message to the horse owners, horse riders, horse handlers um, and horse people out there, what would your message be just in a sentence or two? Uh, I, I think the, my main message would be to say that, that back problems in horses are, have a major influence on horse performance, behaviour and longevity. And thus, I think they need to get much more uh, importance in, in the way people uh, look at caring for their horse. And, and that said, it's very important to get into the deeper levels of, of spinal problems and not 
just smooth over the surface as so often happens. Mm-hmm. So that that would be one of the main things. Then to realise, and I love my own veterinary profession, to realise better that back problems are a major cause of lameness in horses mm-hmm. uh, and therefore cost to horse owners and cost not only in dollars but cost in, in performance and behaviour and longevity again um, for the horse owners have to wear if their, their beloved horse has to be retired early uh, and I would love to see my profession both understand better about back problems in horses uh, and give it much more importance in, in their view of horses. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. In the first ever veterinary, I suppose, degree that you need to have before you qualify as a vet. Is there enough there, or could there be more about backs within that study? My, I'm not on top of the syllabus completely these days, but mm-hmm. uh, the, the feedback I have from recent graduates is that they're still very um, deficient in, in the sort of things that we teach at the graduate diploma course. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, that, that that is uh, beyond the scope of what is taught, which yep. is really sad because the, the things that are taught at that course involve virtually every horse you see. And too often veterinary degrees uh, concentrate on such a wide number of things, but they don't, being a problem that is so common. Yes, uh, you would think it would get much, much more import, uh, of an importance rating in the course, and it's, it's almost neglected. Mm-hmm. Um, other than sort of disease, you know, kiss and spines is mentioned big time, and you know, certain sacroiliac problems and so forth. But that's just scraping the surface of really what's going on, and, and looking at the medical or, or surgical therapies for those is actually missing the point of why they're there. Yeah, yeah. All right. Now, you've got a couple of websites. You've got one where veterinary graduates can go to find out more. Where would you recommend them to go? Um, the ABFA website, abm.com.au. Yep. has uh, got, got the information about Spinal problems and my own website, yep. uh, spinalvet.com.au, has also got a lot of information that's hopefully in the next month or two going to have the update I've been trying to do for about seven years. <laughs> okay. Um, uh, with information that is really designed for the public, but mm. it's also information that most veterinarians are not very aware of. Okay. Um, so, uh, so that Two sites, just for a starter. Mm-hmm. Um, there is a huge amount of information throughout the world on spinal problems now. It's a matter of getting it lifted in, into the perspective of the universities. And there are some universities, I should say, that are teaching acupuncture and uh, spinal manipulation type courses uh, around the world. So it's happening, but, but the majority of the universities consider that not really of their calibre, which mm. shame. Mm. Mm. All right. Well, look, I think, you know, all we can do is, is put the message out there that it is a big problem and that it 
it's a major issue and it and it's also a major cause of lameness and it has a lot a big effect on horses you know and the horse's well-being you know that's what we're all about yeah. you know i think we've got a wide variety of listeners but even though they come from a lot of different backgrounds and have a lot of different interests and a lot of big, big goals the um, common denominator is the welfare of the horse, and I think if we can yeah. uh, get this message out there and it improves the welfare of the horse, then I think um, I think we've done our job. Yeah, I think that's, that's, that's a great portion of it, and, and it actually comes back to the welfare of the owner too. Yes. Because yep. if the horse is not comfortable, it may butt them off. Yeah. Uh, it may, may prep yes. uh, front or back or both, mm-hmm. uh, and may, you know, Badly injured the beloved daughter or mm. or son of a, of a um, mother and father too. So it, it, it's so important in that regard as well. It's just the general enjoyment of having a horse. If it's feeling better and it's more comfortable, then it's going to be get along with you better, uh, and that that can be so important to our relationship with horses. Yep, yep, for sure. Ian, been great talking to you. I think you've got a really important message there. And, um, you know, if you want to come back and talk again and, and talk in a lot more depth in particular areas, which I know we could go down and talk at a, a lot more depth than what you have today, but it's been a good overview just to talk to people and, um, you know, sort of introduce them to the whole spinal health. So thank you for coming. Thank you for um, your time. And we'll hopefully we'll talk to you soon. Thanks, Glenn. If you've enjoyed this chat, then please comment, rate and subscribe. If you'd like any changes or recommendations for guests, then please contact us through horsechats.com. And while you're online, have a look at the government accredited courses at internationalhorsecollege.com. Registered Training Organisation 31352. Remember that our comments and instructions are general in nature and do not take into consideration your individual horses or your individual ability and circumstances. If you enjoyed this podcast, then please leave your comment below 